A return to the horror. A return to the chaos. It's not singular, it's plural in aliens. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Did that sound like it? Did that sound like it? That was pretty close. So there's that one scene where they are trying to get Newt. Newt has like fallen down into that like sewer area basically, you know, and they're sawing through and you're like the sound design at that moment. You're not sure if it's the saw that you're hearing or like a hissing that you're hearing. It's very creepy. The tension was, was cranked up at that point for me. Oh, interesting. I didn't even notice that. That's a, yeah. a cool detail. No, that I'll, part, go and, like, oh, I'll, man. I'll go back and watch it again for the third time. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we are discussing aliens. With me is the don't watch it once, watch it twice, Master Alex. And joining me is the... Watch it once, split over two to three to four nights, Eric. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah, so I have never, I had never seen Aliens before, Alex, which is kind of crazy. I think I had started it once. Oh. Um, I don't know. I had seen, I've seen Alien multiple times, but never Aliens, which is interesting because, you know, many say Aliens is even better than the first, yeah. um, but I, I had not seen it. I just had it. So this was a brand new viewing experience for me. Um, pretty, pretty uh, fun first viewing experience. Yeah, man. Uh, that's exciting. I, I do think general consensus is that Aliens is better. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to my thoughts we'll get on, into it. on that yeah. later. Yeah. We'll get into um, that. Probably yeah. my wrap up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get, get into, into that. that. Before we begin though, Alex, uh, <laughs> I'm just surprised. I'm surprised you you quit laughing after some of my school stories yes. there, <laughs> which you can hear some of on MVM Plus. <laughs> uh, oh man! So I'm I'm in a new role at my school, and so basically, I I kind of get some insight into like all the juicy details that happen every single day. Okay. And there are just some really funny stories. And so I told Alex some of those <laughs> over on MVM Plus today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm still laughing at it. I like I hadn't even processed them really. <laughs> like they just happened to me, you know. <laughs> and then I, I I talked to you about them and now they're just cracking me up. They're good. They're good. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, There's so many but, questions. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but we should get into the the actual film that we're going to discuss, Aliens. You ready, Alex? Yeah, I'm ready. Bigger, badder, and with a new director and a new focus, Alien features the talents of writer and director James Cameron. Replacing Ridley Scott is certainly no easy feat, but Cameron brings his own different spin on the original story, offering a different style and maybe even a different genre of film altogether. How would you describe Cameron's departure from the original. 
describing his spin on it is kind of tough, but I would say the, the best words for me would probably be a military rescue movie set in a science fiction horror setting. Mm, nice. I guess okay. that would probably be it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what I love is that the film doesn't fall into the trap of trying to, you know, have its foot in the past movie. Yeah. And then stapling kind of its own stuff on it or kind of like weaving a story into it in a haphazard way. Instead, what I really like is that Cameron knows what he wants to do. You know, he knows replicating the past is going to be ineffective and frankly uninteresting. So he decides to just dive into something almost completely different. I think it's a smart play. I can't imagine a lot of people were walking out of uh, Alien thinking that maybe mm-hmm. a sequel might happen, that it is a, essentially a military movie. Yeah. When yeah. imagining, you know, just like the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think it's great that on top of, I guess, subverting our expectations in the direction mm-hmm. of the movie, but he also he steps things up as you'd expect in a sequel. <laughs> Bigger yeah. sets more universe building, and even more suspense. Maybe not more so than the original movie, but he does add more suspense to the universe, which after Mm. you introduce a monster, sometimes it is kind of hard to do that. I think the film does have a remarkable ability to hold itself back. Cameron reels back the reins for quite a while in this movie, just like um, Ridley did, or Ridley Scott did with the original. You know, we don't even see the Xenomorph for an hour into the movie. But what I really do like is that you, I feel like you can feel its presence everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is certainly a departure from that original film in that I would say that this is primarily an action film and secondly, a horror film. The original Alien was probably primarily horror and sci-fi secondly. Um, and I think that the departure into this action realm has both positives and negatives, which I'll get into. I also just think that Cameron is a completely different type of filmmaker than Scott. Mm-hmm. In Alien, Scott leaves that space that we mentioned last week, um, those slow moments that build the tension. The sets and the effects were great, certainly, but the focus was on the filmmaking and the camera work, in my opinion. Like, compared to Aliens, Alien is an art house film. (laughs) Uh, Cameron's film is high octane, with the focus less on the camera work, less on that filmmaking sort of style, and more on the special effects. And we have to say, these effects are capital A-W-E awesome, (laughs) right? They they just get better as the film progresses as well. And, And what a spectacle we get here. It's definitely more of a spectacle than in the first. Um, I, I do have some issues with the film uh, that may not go down well with some of our listeners or you, Alex. Yeah. But first, I, I'll let you talk some more. Is there anything that didn't quite set right or that didn't work for you in this film? You know, there isn't a lot that doesn't sit right with me. Um, most of my complaints are from... <laughs> Actually, comparisons between the original and the quote-unquote special edition of the film, which Mm, is mm -hmm. the director's cut. So, you know, I'm going to call it director's cut from here on out, uh, just 
because that's what it is. That's what James Cameron, uh, or as I, my good friend I like to call Jim, um, he, <laughs> he calls it. Like, one of my issues... Here, I'll, I'll just go into it. Like In the theatrical edition, one of my issues is that the aliens cut the power. I thought that was weird. Um, because they just out of nowhere know to cut the power. And But when I go into this other edition of the film, you know, it's thirty, it's almost 30 minutes longer. There, there is a good bit added to it. Some of that stuff is expanded on. The intelligence of the alien is expanded on. We're treated to scenes in a hallway where these machine gun turrets are placed down. And they're firing hundreds and hundreds of rounds into these waves of aliens that just keep coming and coming. And eventually one of the guns stops firing and it's got a few rounds in it and the aliens back off. And what's interesting is, is that after throwing themselves wave after wave at these things, they finally learn that they need to find another way in the building, which is why they, they climb on the ceiling later on. They Hmm. find another Mm -hmm. path. They figure out how to, they cut the power. And I really like that because we do see how intelligent they are because of the queen, right? Yeah. The way these aliens work, it seems to be really based in how bees work. Um, And it's kind of funny. I was thinking this and then the director's cut even mentions bees or ants where there's a queen, right? And then she gives the orders. We see how intelligent the queen is pretty quickly when she does rear her head. Giant head. Um, yeah. I mean, she rides elevators. <laughs> right. Rides elevators, tries to uh, get one of the eggs to surprise Ripley, right? Like, she kind of, she quickly understands what that flamethrower is going to do, um, senses danger, and it makes sense that maybe she might be able to send an alien onto a ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that she might be able to send them to try to destroy, like, a source of power or find another route instead of just throwing yourself endlessly at these things. And so I really like those aspects, but that's like one of the few moments in the special edition that I really wish was in this theatrical release because it they, they do all this boarding up, right? And then it feels like they get around it almost too easy. Um, and mm. it turns out that that's not quite the case because we're missing like eight minutes of footage that really sets mm-hmm. up, uh, I guess, the learning process. And I think sets up, them to be even more scary because it shows how intelligent they actually are. These aren't Mm. just things that are completely mindless. They're smart in ways that just make them way more terrifying. And so I really like that. But other than that, like there's a few differences between the films that I I can't quite put my finger on which one's better for me. Um, Mm -hmm. the, The extended edition adds some important, really important elements um, to Ripley. And that's that Ripley has a daughter. Mm. And one of the interesting wrinkles is that when she wakes up, it turns out her daughter's actually been dead for two years. And she gets a picture of her daughter shown to her. Like when she's like very old and it immediately generates this connection between her and Newt. Right. Wow. That actually would help a lot for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, but yeah, continue. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, it's a really poignant scene because she, she wants to talk about her, her daughter. And Burke goes on. It's like, well, let's do it after the hearing. Let's do it after the hearing. And he, <laughs> he lists all these things that they got to get done before. And she listens to him. But then as soon as he gets done talking, she goes, just show him, just 
show me my daughter. And so he pulls out this picture. It's actually a picture of Ellen's real mom, or uh, sorry, Sigourney Weaver's real mom, apparently. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it turns out that she had died two years ago at the age of 66. Mm. And so it, it, it just it drives home that relationship between Ridley and Newt even more. Because Hicks almost has a dad role in the film, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Because uh, I, I, I kind of want to go over some of the characters later, cause, just because there's, there's so many. Um, but another interesting thing is that um, when Ripley is talking to Burke at one point, she more she leans into her doubt about Burke's honesty. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like she believes him as much because she even asks him outright, "What's your interest in this?" And he kind of mm-hmm. skirts around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I like this idea; like she still doubts people. Right, like she's doubting yeah, the company. Yeah. She's not just on board. She doesn't believe that they're just going to go and kill everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's that. There's that little bit of doubt there. And one of the biggest additions is the one I think you could cut, but I could also see why people might like it, and even maybe you, Eric, might like it because I don't know what your complaints are. But uh, this mm-hmm. may be one. We get a good eight nine minutes at the colony before anything happens. We get to see it bustling. We get to see Newt with her family. We get to see them go to the ship because of uh, orders they got from Wayland Utani. And they go there, well, and then there's a quick cut, and it shows the dad. Newt's dad was the first one to get the face hugger on it. And then it cuts. And that's all we see of Hadley's hope until our, where our theatrical version finds us. That could be good, though, just to kind of establish some of the... Um. Yeah, it could be good. I think because I think there is a lull at that beginning, um, where nothing much happens. But I also thought it's interesting that there was clips of that colony, um, that were were cut. Dude, uh, huge the special effects or just gone. Like, and it's it's there's yeah. so many sets and special effects in the scenes that are cut. It's like that's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. whole new vehicles and everything. And that's that is amazing, yeah. But I I thought to myself even because I didn't know that existed. I thought to myself, man, this could actually be an entire alien movie. Is to find out how this colony collapsed. Oh yeah, that right? would be cool. Like that would be an entire movie. I think <laughs> um, that I could see happening. You know, kind of uh, the events between the two movies like that. I could just see it. Um, but yeah. I, I do have a couple problems and, and based on the number of five star ratings I saw among those I follow over on Letterboxd, I think I'm probably in the minority <laughs> on some of these complaints that I have. First is that it is a pretty slow movie for an action movie until about an hour in and then it doesn't stop, no. <laughs> of course. So it's like, you know, it's not to say nothing happens in that first hour. Things do happen, but it, it just doesn't feel as substantial until the action starts because this is an action movie, right? Um, yeah, you said you felt the tension there. Uh, it, to, to an extent, I, I see what you mean. Um, I just don't think the film, it, unlike, and again, it, it has the unfortunate comparison to Alien, which I think is close to flawless, right? Uh where there's there's those moments of of stillness. There's just no stillness in that first hour. A bunch of stuff happens, but at the same time, 
not much happens for me, mm. at least. Um, second, I, I just don't think that the acting or writing is as good as it could be. Most of the script feels just, well, scripted uh. to me, right? The dialogue is just a bit mechanical, and that isn't aided by the performance, one of which irritated me so much I'll have to talk about it later. Yeah. Over, overall, though, um, you know, we talked about the unpolished nature of the performance and the script and how that actually added to the aura of Alien. But here, it's less that the performances in script um, are unpolished and more that they are just polished in a slightly off-putting direction for mm. me. It's even part of the plot, too. Is there anything really surprising at all here? I can think of maybe one thing, which we'll get into, that's slightly surprising. But, I mean, you knew from the second he was on screen that Burke was going to be a bad guy, right? Mm. Um, it's just obvious. And, and you kind of knew the story beats, and you knew all of these military characters are going to get killed off one by one. And so it was hard for me, and this is my third point, it was hard for me to emotionally invest in the characters because I, I pretty much knew they were all goners, right? Um, which is a shame because I also think some of the premises are good, and you addressed this, and this actually was a major point in the story that I think should have been developed more, and it's Ripley becoming that mother-like character to Newt. Right. I kept un- I kept asking myself why why does Ripley have this connection? It makes sense now, now that you mentioned the director's cut, but that's a pretty big thing to cut out, right? If I'm thinking about why does she have this connection to this random girl? I mean, it's not that Ripley. I can't imagine Ripley being sympathetic and empathetic. I was a, well, I was a, Rip- my my read of the initial viewing was what uh-huh. you said that it's the empathy. This she has mm-hmm. seen everyone she knew get killed in front of her. This girl has seen the same, mm. right? So she's mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. a reflection mm-hmm. of what she had just in her time been through. I mean, it's probably been a couple months for her since that happened. I like that. Yeah, I like that take. Uh, I'll accept that take. But uh I I also think, you know, Ripley is such a company man in a mm-hmm. sense, right? And and I say that in a way that she is like a yeah good bureaucratic leader she she follows the script and does things according to the book and I mean, she, she even does takes so until until she gets betrayed right uh what were well, you she gonna even say? takes a job back with the company afterwards yeah, remember exactly. she's gonna be loading yeah. she's gonna be working the loader yeah. loading dock that's right that's right so she is this company man and i don't know i just for some reason and there's parts of that I think actually work really well. And it is interesting to see her development in this movie. I think in this movie, she actually develops kind of more as her independent self um, through that. But I don't know. There's certain things, certain actions that she she took that I thought might not have been true to her character that we saw in the first mm. film. Maybe it's a development and, and I can accept that. But it was just a little bit... It had me questioning things. Yeah, and uh, there's also no. Yeah, you go no, ahead. No, you go ahead. I want to hear. Well, there's also that hint of romance. Yeah, uh, that just it doesn't really add much, um, to, in my opinion. Uh, it, it could, right? If you're kind of like creating this sort of family dynamic, but then that's kind of ge- generic, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I spewed a bunch of devil's advocate criticisms <laughs> and, and promise I'm going to come back around to praising this film, but. 
tell me first how wrong I am, Alex. No, I'm not going to tell you how wrong you are, even if I do like completely disagree with you <laughs> with a lot of it. But that's okay. <laughs> like, 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 there's it's okay to find a compl- errors with something that everybody else loves. It's something we've done on here many a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I actually think the first hour is absolutely stellar. <laughs> and I think it's just as good as the back half. I think wow. I actually yeah. think the tension works really well for me. Um, and again, I mentioned this earlier, but I think the, the movie shows so much restraint by not throwing these aliens within an hour of starting the film. Mm-hmm. And as for the acting, well, I guess... I might give it credit for that. If I'm being honest, I I might give it credit for for not doing that, considering the runtime of the Ooh. film, right? Yeah. I, I think maybe it's just the length of the film is, is too maybe. long. Um, I give it credit for not giving us too much too soon. Like I even th- I even think like it's restrained in the initial battles. Uh, between like the military and the oh, aliens. in the hive where we just kind of yeah we, we like, see like their like, honestly we just see glimpses yeah like we just get glimpses and at that point I'm like huh like we're not really even seeing the aliens at this point like it's still restrained mm-hmm. right um and that that is a good build up to what we get in our finale you, I, I I would agree with you there maybe it's more of the fact that like the film could be condensed for hmm. me. I, I don't know. Maybe. See, I think, you know, you were saying like, you don't really like the, uh, the sweep portion where they're, where they're sweeping the empty colony that, that kind of tension mm-hmm. wasn't working for you. For mm-hmm. me, I loved it because, and it's kind of one of the reasons why of the director's cut version, the only thing I would maybe remove is the Hadley's hope section because like, like before we, when we see it early, because what I really love about that that the sweep is how much storytelling happens. We we hear that they made a blockade, that they used uh, demolition charges to try to destroy these things. We we hear all these small details of what they tried to do during their last stand and to defeat these things. That I just found it so interesting that they're telling the story through just a few pieces of dialogue and some visuals. Um, and so that stuff really works for me. Um, and, and part of why I really love that scene is just, I think not seeing what happened and just kind of imagining it made it work for me so well. And then as for the acting, I think the only character for, and I'll be interested to hear who you talk about that doesn't work for you is that doesn't work. Uh, especially for some people, I guess, and I could very easily see this as Bill Paxton's Hudson. He's he's over the top, right? He's whining a lot. His his, his <laughs> voice is hitting places no one else's voice hits in the film, right? Like he's, it, it, it's just it. Honestly, I don't I don't know what you mean. I, I don't know what you mean, Game Alex. Over, Game over. <laughs> what What do you mean? What do you mean his performance is over the top? <laughs> what do you mean, man? I, I just can't even get with what you're saying, man. What do you mean his performance is over the top? I don't even know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and honestly, for a long time. Hudson's performance didn't work for me. Like it just straight up didn't. And it wasn't until these last two viewings, <laughs> the last two days, um, <laughs> that he actually, I came around on it 
And what it really what it really comes down to is how his story ends up paying off. And that's what I find most interesting. Um, because honestly, Hudson is like, everybody knows a guy like Hudson, right? He's, he's a f- annoying fast talker. He thinks he's, he's the hottest thing on the block, right? Like he just doesn't shut up. Right. But it turns out he's kind of inadequate. And when the pressure really comes in, he cracks like immediately before anybody else. And, you know, it's, it's kind of pathetic, right? He, he has to be ordered to do things over and over. He has to be calmed down by, by his, by all of his teammates. But what's really cool about his character and what I really do like is that when the aliens are closing in on all of them, he shuts up and he gets to work. Which is really cool. He finally he he does he has a job to do, and he finally does sit down and do it. And even when he's like going down, and he, he's you know it's his final moments, he's he's doing it a lot more uh, like a man, I guess, <laughs> than than he was mm-hmm. acting like previously. And I, I I think that there's something kind of interesting about that that has made me warm up a little bit on Hudson. But Hudson's a fan favorite. But it is over the top, and I 100% understand someone being incredibly irritated by this guy. Because in real life, yes, mm-hmm. you're, I'm incredibly irritated by this man. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Um, but, well, you know, you mentioned the writing, and I honestly think this film works a lot for me, like Kong Skull Island does. You know, it's a big cast of characters. We get a few moments with a lot of characters, and you have feelings for some of them. Uh, more so than others, but honestly, I ended up like just like Skull Island. I ended up liking a lot of them. I think Vasquez is amazing, <laughs> and her relationship with Private Drake is cool. Even those few moments they have together, even and when when Private Drake does uh, bite it early on um, from getting the acid sprayed on him when when Vasquez tries to protect him. Um, I actually felt sympathy for him because I felt like I could feel that friendship between them in just their few moments uh, before they deploy. And then I think, like I said, I think Hudson's interesting. Even uh, Sarge, uh, his lines are so good that I like the way he commands authority, how he calls Hudson to his side after he's been annoying Mm -hmm. during the the briefing. (laughs) He's like, Hudson, get over here. (laughs) Um, And like his line when they first wake up. And then even like Lieutenant Gorman and, and a few other characters are actually really memorable. Like there are characters that I remember years and years later. I think they're all so cool. I think their dialogue makes it very clear who they are in no time. And I also like that with these, uh, with these characters, like some of them have some interesting depth, even though there's not a lot of time and even arcs. And like I said, Hudson, I've kind of come around on, but Lieutenant Gorman in particular, you know, He's a lieutenant who is completely out of, of out of his depth. Like he, he's a bureaucrat who has somehow landed a job, and he's it's, it's just over his head, right? He's only had two actual combat drops, like he's thirty eight mm-hmm. simulated or whatever it is, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's just completely useless when the pressure comes down on them during the hive attack, and yeah. he just crumbles. And Ripley has to. To take the uh, take the mic from them essentially, and just tell them to to back to run away, right? To, to retreat, and 
he just and Vasquez and everybody just hates him because he's responsible for it, for for some of their deaths and and not thinking things through right he doesn't think about the the uh in the explosive shells being a problem when they transitioned from the sweep over at Hadley's Hope to the reactor um he doesn't think about them changing their ammo type and his oversight gets a lot of them killed but what's really cool is that when the chips are down and his his own life is on the line he goes back for Vasquez when she's injured in that vent and he goes mm-hmm. back to save her. And when she is not, when they are surrounded, he's the one that pulls out the incendiary device and is ready to detonate it. And and then I love that moment where both of them put their hands on top of each other's with that, and then detonates mm-hmm. it. Like these are moments that I absolutely love with these small characters. It makes me actually feel something for them because otherwise I really probably wouldn't have felt anything. And then we get. Um, I already talked about Hudson, but uh, <laughs> the the boisterous, annoying man. But what's really cool mm-hmm. is that um, there's all these cool characters that we really like that are small and nothing characters. Then we get Burke, right? Who seems mm-hmm. kind of trusting enough initially. He, he he's he's very calm with Ridley, right? But he's with the company. Red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anytime you start off your monologue. Anytime you start off your introduction with, look, I really am a nice guy. You know that's a red flag. Yes, that's a huge red flag, (laughs) right? But then he does a few things early on that makes you think like, oh, he doesn't have to have her go there. Like, you know, like he he knows how to manipulate people. He's been in this business. Mm. But the links that he goes to, we know he's a bad guy, right? But the links that he goes to are surpass what I thought he was willing to do, right? When he traps mm-hmm. the two of them in there with face huggers so he can get them past customs, dude, it's that's such a great moment when they're stuck with those two things in that room. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. And then his plan to kill them in their uh in their cryo chambers on the way back is yeah. oh, I just <laughs> I just love it. I love that Ellen puts that together so quickly. And yeah, I know Hicks and Ellen are great characters, uh, and they're they're very fleshed out. Her relationship with her daughter in the director's edition, uh, director's cut, I think, grows her character exponentially. Uh, it's a, hmm. it's a just baffling that it's really cut out. But her relationship with Newt and Hicks, I actually really like. Yes, there is a little bit of like some sort of romance there, but we don't lay it on too thick. It's it's not cringy. There's no kiss before the bomb goes off, right? There's nothing like that. So I'm okay with people flirting. It's going to happen, you know? Uh, and then, you know, and then Newt is fine. You know, she's a serviceable, I'm terrified girl. Uh, but I think just seeing how people interact with her, like, you know, Hicks picks up uh, Newt to put her on, like Newt's, Newt's trying to look at the blueprints and figure out what the plan is, but while all the military people are looking at it, and Hicks picks her up and puts her on the table so she can see. Like little moments of that really build his character for me and make him really likable for me. But I hadn't even gotten to my favorite character, Bishop. <laughs> what a stellar performance from this guy! Like five seconds into seeing him and hear- hearing him talk, like you love this character, and you really yeah. hope he's not a bad guy when you find out he's an android. <laughs> And when you yeah, see him dissecting yeah. that uh, face hugger, you're really hoping he's mm-hmm. not a bad guy. 
<laughs> and so when he, yeah. when he actually delivers, it's just so good, man. Yeah. I, I, I've talked a lot. Well, I've talked a lot. So let, let, <laughs> It sounds like you like this film, I, Alex. I'm, yeah. Man, like, like, <laughs> I, this is the most I've ever liked the movie. Uh, I've always enjoyed it. But this time around, yeah. I've liked it more than I usually have. Nice. Yeah. I mean, what makes this film still pretty great to me is actually the last 45 minutes. You mentioned that scene where Ripley and Newt are stuck in that room uh, uh, together. That's the scene where things start to pick up for me. Like that's, That's where, for me, I was like, okay, this is getting really interesting. At that point, we've eliminated a whole lot of the extra characters and we're really focusing in on the characters that we're supposed to care about. Mm. Um, and so me, for me, that's where the tension rises because I kind of knew, you just kind of know these other characters are expendable. Well, I, I do like some of the side characters like Vasquez is <laughs> awesome. So cool. um, yeah, she's great. But most of the characters, I just, I couldn't find myself connecting with because I, I just knew they were goners. Maybe that's a, more of a problem with me than it is a problem with the film though. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so many great payoffs in, in the last 45 minutes. I mean, how about that payoff when we see Ripley in that mech machine, whatever it's called, what's it's that a called? Loader. loader. And when you see Rep Ripley in the loader, uh, fighting the absolutely dope Xenomorph Queen. <laughs> I mean, the mech was introduced, the loader was introduced two hours before, but man, what a payoff. That's oh so, so sweet. Queen v. Queen is really quite the treat, right? Uh, the prolonged tension after we finally kill off some of these bad actors, n- not actors and yeah. like, they're bad and they're acting, but like some of these, just the characters that are annoying <laughs> and we're left with the characters we care about. That's when this film becomes something special. Watching Ripley evolve into an action hero is just awesome. Um, I, I was just like, wow, this, this is cool. And it's, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. It doesn't feel unnatural or forced. She's genuinely interested. Like when she's learning about the, the gun, right? She's like, she's genuinely interested in, in, in this uh, weapon because she knows she's going to need to use it. Mm. And then Bishop's death is also a jaw jaw dropping moment. You could only really get away with that scene because he's an android. And he's not even necessarily dead because you see him get put in the uh, cryo chamber. So chance he's still alive. Um, Yeah, but sure. I mean, you know, you, you did mention, you know, this evolution of Ripley into an action hero. There's some really mm-hmm. cool acting on her part and direction on James Cameron's part where Ripley, especially noticeable when they come out of the cryo chamber here, she walks with her uh, shoulders hunched over kind of like mm. she's, you know, smaller and meeker than she is. And then yeah. as the film goes on, she gets the leather jacket. She like, <laughs> She's yep. rocking and rolling. Yeah. She's standing up straight. Her shoulders are back. She's a full-on action hero. But what I do love even more than that is that when we are in the hive again and we're surrounded by the eggs, Ripley is completely terrified, right? Oh, and yeah. I love that she's... Which goes back to Alien, yes. right? Uh, it goes back to her roots as a character, and it keeps her human at exactly. the same time. I mean, she gets so into killing these things with fire that Newt has to pull her away 
because she yeah, gets so yeah, into right. it, right? She's like, she's got all this baggage from the last film that she mm-hmm. is relieving. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, uh, it's just why like characters yeah. like that. I just haven't seen them in quite some time. I feel like everything like, we talked about it last week, even the writing of characters is just too clean. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. if this movie was made now, now she wouldn't even be terrified that next time in. Right. Yeah. That's probably true. She's, she is the, yes, her and like a small group. There's a couple characters that I really like in this movie. Um, I'm not as big a fan of some of the side characters That's as okay. you are. I, I get it. I, I, I do think, I do think like the main characters are great. Uh, she, she really is great. As I said, it doesn't feel unnatural at all because the evolution into her as an action hero is steady throughout, right? And it's very intentional. <laughs> you can tell, like, this is the plan. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, you, you got to appreciate that. Um, today on MVM Plus, by the way, Alex, we get into a few things that we've been watching recently, of course. We get some recommendations. It's not particular, particularly rememberable. Rememberable? <laughs> Memorable. Uh, MVM Plus episode. I would say those last but, five minutes alone... The last, oh my the last five minutes, we got a, we got a couple of really good laughs. Then, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you'll still <laughs> stop. <laughs> <You'll> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, you just have to you have to join in on MVM Plus uh, and listen to that and hear a couple of school stories that are that are pretty funny. So. Let's get into our awards, though, Alex. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Uh, compelling character award. Let's start with you. All right. And I've seen your answer already, Eric. It's the right answer. But I'm going to go with Lieutenant Gorman. Um, he is a useless human being <laughs> for the most part. But what I really like uh-huh. about this character, you know, there's a background. It's how did you get this position over Sarge, over everybody else, how did you get this position of authority over everyone? So there, there's a big question there. It, it, you know, it's just it's, one thing I've learned recently is people feel. Oh my gosh! Man. I you know ever heard that term. How many Failing upwards? That's it's, that totally. It's, oh, it's happens. a real thing. How many bosses have you had that are just completely incompetent? It happens <laughs> all the time. Yeah, and so it makes sense that Lieutenant Gorman, who's only good at simulations, is man, now manning a full a full little platoon. Um, oh yeah. But what's really interesting, again, for me, it's, it's what I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, was his, when, his per, when his life is actually at risk, he is like an actual hero, right? Mm. He's not good at commanding people, but when he's controlling himself, he goes back for Vasquez. He does the right thing. He mm. tries to save her. And then he's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. It buys everybody the time they need to get further away from these things. It does a lot Mm -hmm. and it's pretty awesome uh, of the character. So I got to give it to him. Yeah. Uh, No, I like that. It was a good choice. My, my compelling character was Bishop this time. Uh, And I mean, obviously Ripley is a completely compelling character. She's too easy, Uh, but (laughs) she's too easy. So I had to go with Bishop. You mentioned Bishop before as as one of your favorite characters. 
I always find the androids in these films to be compelling. Yes. Um, in Prometheus, I think, uh, spoiler alert, most compelling character oh my <laughs> is the android. Uh, but here, I think I think Bishop, I, I never really thought Bishop was a bad guy. Um, but what I liked about him is that he's quirky, right? You, you sense something is off with him. Once you know somebody's an android, you never can quite shake that feeling. Right. And that's the same feeling that Ripley has. Um, that something's not quite right. And yet, Bishop has some of the most humanizing moments towards the end of this film that really make him an endearing character and not just a compelling character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's definitely he starts to become, yes, he has orders, but he also... Mm-hmm speaks out about those orders almost in a way to give mm-hmm. them away. Right. When Bert tells him that what's mm. going to happen with those things, he yeah, vocally yeah. tells Ripley what's happening. And it's almost like yeah. he's telling her because she knows she might do something about it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yes. That's a good, that's a good point. I like that. Ugh. Yeah. 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 It's like, you got the person that's so straight. Right, they have to tell the orders. You're not doing anything wrong by telling the orders, right. and yet you are subverting the orders by making it clear what the orders are. Yes, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, mine's got to be Hicks when he's talking about Gorman after he's been knocked out when they're in the uh, yeah. the <laughs> the vehicle, and he picks him up. He goes, the, "It's just the delivery." He says, "They say, you know what." what is he alive? He goes, maybe a concussion, but he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> like he's depressed, like disappointed that he's still alive <laughs> because they're all so mad at him for what he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Uh, mine was a conversation between Ripley and Newt and mm. uh, Ripley is repeating kind of this promise. And, you know, it's, I cross my heart, I cross my heart and hope to die and hope to die. It was that and hope to die part. Where I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> something about it rang true and, and yes. like made me think about the line more than I thought about the line before. It's like, what? what? Why do we say that? Hope to die? It makes no right. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so weird. Such a weird line. But in the context of what was going on, you're like, it, it just had layers of meaning in it. Um yeah, and so I, I really appreciated it. And you could tell that Ripley was having that same thought herself. Like she had never thought about the line before. And then here she's like questioning herself and, and hope to die. Yeah. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. And yet kind of it does. Yeah. Um, you would rather die than be captured by one of these things. Right. So there's so many layers to that line. I, I really enjoy that one. It's a good one. What about your can't believe that acting award? Well, you're not going to believe this, Alex. You're not going to believe it. But it's, it's Bill Paxton as Hudson. Uh, he was just so over the top at anything when he was panicking. It was it was like nothing you've ever seen before. That was that was <laughs> Bill Paxton as Hudson. My my can't believe the acting award. That I swear, Alex, yeah. this has got to be the most grating performance. And sure, you can say, oh, it was intentional. Blah, 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 blah. No, please. Nobody can intentionally be that annoying, right? Dude, everybody (laughs) knows someone like that, dude. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, I know we went gosh. to college with a few. <laughs> <laughs> you got to name them on this no, podcast, no, Alex? <laughs> no, I'm not. Just across the hall. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> um, as for me, <laughs> I had, I had La- uh, Lance Hendrickson as Bishop. I mean, uh-huh. You know, I mentioned his performance, yeah. but he really does. Like, he is pretty charming in that opening moments in the mess hall. It's just, uh-huh. and when he different right before he does the knife thing. Um, and then just all, he's just so interesting. I don't know. Like every, every moment of his performance, I'm like, why isn't this man a leading man? And I know, mm. I kind of know the answer. Unfortunately, it's probably looks. <laughs> Yeah, right? yeah, he's, he's a little. He's not. Yeah. He's not ugly or anything. I think he actually looks pretty cool no. and unique. Um, but I, I'm surprised he wasn't a leading man in a lot of ways, just because well, his performance is like it's so good. I feel like he's an actor that we would, if if we got him in 2022, I think he might have more roles than he would have had in 1987. That might be fun. Yeah, and I'm not saying anything negative necessarily about <laughs> 80s filmmaking, but, uh, you know, in the era of Top Gun um, oh, yeah. style filmmaking versus like there are, I feel like there's more room for non-traditional roles now than there was then. It's probably fair. Uh, not much, but, not but much. that might explain part of it because he was great. He was great. <laughs> Like he, he really is. I don't know if you agree, but he feels like leading man potential to me in that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's got that. He's got that nuance for sure. Yeah. So good. Um, what about your, Oh, that's a good shot award. I mean, there's some classic ones here. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think probably my favorite shot is going to be, it's a classic one where Newt is in the sewer or in the drain and the alien comes up behind her and it just rises out of the water. Dude, uh-huh. awesome. But my fa- I, I think the one that probably nobody talks about is the dust-off scene where they drop off the uh, the vehicle. I, I can't think of it. It's not an ATV. It's an a- APC. I don't know. Whatever. Mm. Some sort of vehicle that carries troops. And they drop it off. And while it's driving away, this big, awesome prop is driving away. The jet lifts off and takes off in the background. And it's all happening in the rain with all the set all around it. Like it is like in a visual effects feast. Absolutely awesome looking. And I, it's just a man. A lot of the time while I'm watching this movie and it's the first time in a long time that I've had this sort of feeling where I'm watching it and I go to my, I think to myself, they really don't make them like they used to do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> They really don't, man. Like they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What What uh, about you? Yeah, uh, mine is that that shot where um, you see the aliens crawling through the ceiling space oh, so whenever they're 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 creeping up on them, and and they should be right there, but they're not. And then they discover they're in that ceiling mm-hmm. crawl space, and there's a horde of them, and you're like, uh oh. <laughs> uh, this is about to go down. Uh, I don't know. That one stood out to me 
I, I really like that one, dude. Yeah, there's so many in the hive too. When, when like the alien reveals, like it turns out there's one right behind him. It's curled up on the wall. Mm. The first reveal, oh, yeah. and then yeah, first reveal, it's awesome. And then there's one where it's like yeah. it looks like a setting shot, and then it turns out it's like those little things on their back, and yeah. they start moving. Like all those movements and stuff in the in the hive are just incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple unique awards, Alex. I've got a standout effect award, kind of a throwback award to our standout effect. Whenever we used to mm-hmm. give that, but mine is the. Uh, disemboweled android effect um <laughs> i mean you, so you kind of can figure out how they did that one yeah. right you know they kind of they had the set and they had him popping his his head and hands out you know uh but it's still really cool i mean man yeah it was like you haven't seen guts until you've seen android yeah, guts dude, it's so brutal when the alien rips him <laughs> in half it's so brutal yeah oh, for sure gosh it's so good <laughs> what about you uh, mine's the why did you do that award and it's leaving out the um, <laughs> leaving out the daughter scene uh, from the director's cut to the yeah. theatrical Jeez, leaving that out to me that seems crucial it is yeah I needed I, that I needed I it. think it's really important and then I also think the um, the turret scene is so important and interesting mm. and it's tense too you just see these characters watching ammo counts dwindle from 600 to zero on these guns. And like, you just see them keep going down and you're like, Oh my, I, because you see on the sonar or I get the motion tracker, how many of them there are. But yeah. during that scene, it really illustrates how many there really are. Mm. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's tense and it shows their intelligence. And I think it just evolves the mythos a lot. Just like the mm-hmm. daughter scene evolves Ellen's, mythos a lot i think Mm -hmm. that that moment evolves them quite a bit as well yeah Hmm. there is that piece missing i do think about their intelligence um yeah you're right you're right about that uh final thoughts in tiered rating alex i'll go first this time uh because mine's not very complex (laughs) i'll go ahead and tell you this right um, I think this is a Godzilla tier film for oh, me. So okay, yeah, I, yeah, I still think it's a Godzilla tier film. I, I think this is really good. I really do. But as I said in my letterbox review, which I gave this a four star out of five, okay. just to let everybody know. As I said, by giving this film only four stars, I feel like I'm saying it's overrated, right? Uh, yeah, because I feel like. <laughs> That most people are are giving it four and a half to five stars. It's an upper Godzilla tier. This for me, it it reaches the Godzilla tier, but I I, I think it fit, falls into some generic tropes that just made it feel kind of boring for parts of it for me because I just felt like I knew what was going to happen and I didn't have the emotional investment that I wanted. Part of me wants to experience the director's cut because it does seem like it might fill some of the gaps that I had. The other part of me is like, no, this movie was too long already. Uh, it really actually needed more cut for me to find it more interesting <laughs> because the, really the last 45 minutes, whenever we cut away the extra characters and we focus on our main characters, that's when we actually had tension in the film. So there are parts of me that, that has some serious complaints, but then the other parts of me are like, wow, 
they really don't make them like they used to. Like you said, the the effects here are just impeccable. You you don't have films like this anymore, and that's what James Cameron does, really. Yeah. Right? Is he takes the latest technology of the day and he pushes it to its limits? And and what you see here is you see practical effects pushed to their limits. Um, and I love it. I love it for that. Uh, and so that's why it makes that Godzilla tear for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, when I rewatched this last night, so I watched theatrical version first and then directors. And I will say, Eric, one of the things I was surprised by when I was watching it, I was surprised that the new content added as much time as it did because it doesn't mm. feel like it does. And like mm, I, I'm yeah. thinking in my mind, like, okay, that was five minutes. Okay, that was 30 seconds. That was like, I'm like, that's not a lot. But it somehow added up to be quite a bit of extra runtime. And so mm-hmm. I do think it's paced very similarly, um, despite the extra runtime. And the stuff that you do get yeah. is added. There's added tension to the initial sweep. They add a, something that's causing a motion track, like, they, they, they do things that I think really work overall. I think, and I did a poll on Twitter. Most people do find this, the director's cut to be better. And I have seen this take a couple times, including, including from uh, our page, our producer, John Freeman. Uh, a lot of people recommend uh, that you watch the theatrical version first, mm-hmm. and then you watch the director's cut because mm-hmm. of, they think that, now you didn't feel the tension in that initial sweep scene, um, mm-hmm. but they say that you know that's why you watch the theatrical first is because you get that tension, and then you watch it again to have more context for what's go- what had happened, and mm. just you know grow the universe because growing up yeah. watching this on on TV that that uh, machine gun scene or the the turret scene that's in the director's cut was in it because mm. I remember watching it as a kid. And, and so there, there's several scenes in the movie that were actually in, but then again, I was watching it in the nineties. So maybe that was the version that was airing on TV, TV cut. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's, there are some weird TV cuts out there. TNT cut. <laughs> could have been, could have been, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm glad to hear it's a Godzilla tier for you. I didn't know with your complaints, you know, thinking mm. that the first hour is boring. is pretty like for me, that would have been a pretty damning thing to <laughs> for a movie. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you liked it because I'm obviously a Godzilla tier. Like I, I, yeah, I actually yeah. love this movie more this viewing than I ever have before. Quite a bit, actually. So we don't have your verdict yet: Alien or Aliens? So Alex, here's the thing: I have always been an Alien over Aliens fan, mm-hmm. um, but I think I may have swapped teams with this viewing. <sighs> Oh man! I think I'm going to swap teams this week. No, yeah. uh, I may have. I, I, I'm trying to decide. Man, I know, I know. So I'm not sure. I really don't know because I've always, not always, but since college at least, which is like ten years, if not more. Jesus, um, I, it would make sense to me. Like honestly, that makes sense. To I have me, been in, that you would like aliens more than because I liked Alien more than Aliens for a long mm-hmm. time. It would make sense that you liked Alien more than Aliens in college. Right? Oh boy, but- here we go. <laughs> oh because I, I honestly I didn't think kind of similar things. I thought maybe it took too long. I thought the sweep was uninteresting, but uh-huh. it all worked for me this time. Like I was mm. like, wow, everything is hitting. Like these characters are hitting. 
Hudson's not hitting as bad as he used to be. He's still not great, but he's still not uh, sitting me into anguish. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and then I think also me marveling at the effects. Yeah. Because there are moments in the original film, it's kind of like you said, it's like art house, right? It's it's lower budget. But there's some moments with the alien where it's got a sagging tail. It's kind of, some of it's, you know, we praised it for this last week, right? Some of the seams mm-hmm. showing is yeah. part of the charm. Yeah, yeah. But that's a seam that I don't want to see. Uh, the sagging yeah, tail, the yeah. man in the suit, I can tell that it's a... The, yeah, right. Um, things like that do maybe hold it back in the comparison of all-time great movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When you're comparing yeah, two of yeah. your favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, right, right, So right. Th- these are... Hmm. This is like nitpicking like you wouldn't believe, but... Uh, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm floored that I like these two. And what I'm really excited about, Eric, because this is my, this was uh-huh. my old ranking. I'm going to do only these three movies. I'm not going to waste any more time. But I used to love Alien number one, Alien mm-hmm. three number two, Ooh. and Aliens number three. Wow. So wow. I'm going to be interested to see what I think this time around. Because this movie, yeah. I mean, it had everything, but just marveling at the effects more than I ever have before really elevated was, it. Yeah. And I was going to say, look, the, the effects, man, that's something that actually over time we might just be more and more impressed by. <laughs> because as we get further and further away from that type of effect, we're just like, wow, how the heck did they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's something interesting with our like computer just everything being on a computer, there's something very different about feeling that weight of the effects in this movie. Not that there were a couple of computerized things. There oh, were, yeah. of course, right? But, man, the practical effects and just the weight of most of this movie is so impressive. I mentioned the weight last week, but the weight here, you get it again, for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of where 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 I'm at. I, I might be aliens over alien. Um, mm. but it's not an easy decision. So I'm going to think on it a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited well, to watch aliens three, but Eric, I think you're about to go it's into not it. next week. I know. Bro. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We are doing an alien and predator series, Alex, and That's we are right. going in order of release date. We started with prey as kind of a, a little backwards. We started with prey, the new release, but then we are working our way through by release date. And the next release date is not Aliens 3 or Alien 3. It is Predator. Um, so next week, Alex, yes. when we review Predator, will we need you to be an editor? Or will it be so great because we've been good meditators? <laughs> <laughs> Um. <laughs> wow. No. All right. So what, next week we got Predator starring Arnold. Will we find that the movie is bold, or will Eric be wanting to scold? That's. <laughs> oh boy. Arnold scold. Bold. Arnold bold. scold. Bold. <laughs> as always thank you for listening to monsters versus men leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or you can email us at nvmpod at gmail.com you can also follow us and message us on twitter and instagram at nvm 
underscore pod. Become a bargain base mine at patreon.com forward slash pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, Christopher Clavero, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which formed Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't introduce yourself as a nice guy. <laughs> and try, and try to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. created a monster and it will destroy you. You're not going to believe this, Alex. You're not going to believe it. But it's Bill Paxton as Hudson. He was just so over the top at anything when he was panicking. It was, it was like nothing you've ever seen before.